welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Blazing the Path, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At the Buzzer. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, and The Green Light. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, The Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com. Spelled A-R-Y-S. E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host Justin Matcham. In here with me tonight, Dan Galinsky, Amadou So from King James Gospel. We're going to break down this loss against the Suns. Uh, at this point, the Nuggets have already played, so we won't be breaking down that one. But we got a bunch of other stuff to get into tonight as well. Dan, I'm gonna do. How you guys doing? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm I'm good tonight. You know, it's it's good. It's 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 going along. Dan, how have you been, man? Just uh, just doing pretty well. Thanks for having us again. Mm-hmm. No problem. Well, we will get into the. 119-113 loss against the Suns to start this one. Uh, overall, this was another kind of just a, a good game for the Cavs. Uh, you know, as far as... I thought they played well as a whole. It fell apart a little bit late. Uh, Devin Booker obviously kind of had a big performance here. Had 36 points. Uh, Mikhail Bridges had 22 as well. I want to get into the Cavs' perspective, though. Uh, started Jared Allen alongside Andre Drummond in this game, which is a bold move. Uh, one that I think with with Larry Nance and Kevin Love out makes some sense. I still am personally more of a fan moving forward of the Tarian Prince starting at the floor um, decision. But uh, I'll just start with you on this one, Amadou. What did you think of Bickerstaff, you know, kind of making the bold decision to start Jared Allen next to Andre Drummond in this game? Yeah, it's actually an interesting decision, like you said, um, because I feel like Torian Prince would be a better you know, fit right there. But actually, I saw Dan talk about this on Twitter, um, just talking about how much better Torian Prince plays off the bench where, um, along, except for like, you know, in the starting lineup. And it makes sense because off the bench, you know, he has more of a, you know, on-ball role, whereas you could say in the starters with Colin Sexton and Darius Garland getting most of the, 
the usage there, he'd be strictly, not strictly, but, you know, majority of his shots would be off ball. So, I mean, I didn't really like it personally because the spacing, it, it, it was awful. You know, concerning the fact that also Isaac Coro isn't really a knockdown shooter himself. Um, but I guess you could say offensively, it kind of did work out. I mean, the Cavs did score 113 points. But um, interestingly uh, enough, even though we started two essentially, you know, seven-footers, I think we got out-rebounded by the Suns. And DeAndre Ain still had, you know, a very, very good game. So, uh, yeah, that did happen. But uh, is it something I'd do again? I think actually it was announced um, by Chris Fudor that they're doing that again. So I personally, I don't know about the decision, especially against a team who I want to say, honestly, is probably a better offensive team than the Suns. We have to also, you know, know that Chris Paul didn't play that last game um, in the Nuggets. So we'll see how it goes again tonight. Yeah, obviously, again, we'll, we'll see this, you know, this will, that game will have happened by the time this goes up. But, um, you know, the Suns did start Frank Kaminsky, so it was two bigs against two bigs, essentially. You know, that, that makes a little bit more sense. If they had started a Jake Crowder who obviously wasn't playing or something yeah. like that, it would be a little bit more head-scratching. But, you know, the, the matchup made a little bit more sense in that reason. But, yeah, you mentioned DeAndre Ayton um, kind of just bullying Andre Drummond a lot on the offensive glass. Andre, I mean, Andre ended up with 14 rebounds, as he usually does at this point. But um, th- there were some defensive ones that I think he just kind of got out-hustled for um, by Aiton and some finishes around the rim. But, um, Dan, I'll kind of flip this over to you. Uh, how do you think that the two of them played next to each other, and do you like uh, th- this experiment, you know, continuing moving forward? I don't love it, uh, but I guess we'll – just to me, uh, initially I would have thought – um, that Prince should start at the four uh, in in there for Nance because we've seen it previously. Um, he's had it's kind of been a mixed bag, um, but just at this point, I would think that they should probably roll with it uh, at least for a little bit. You don't have to have him in there just locked in there for long stretches. It's just can just be kind of uh, to start games and then maybe from spurts from there. Um, that's kind of how I'd like to see it, but. I, I, again, I, I just think just looking at the splits for Prince when he's been able to come in off the bench, uh, off the bench, sorry, and inject life into their offense in that twenty-six or so minute a game role that he's played thus far. Uh, I, I just think it's better for him. It allows as Amadou hit on it allows him to uh, have more of an on-ball role. I, I just think he has more of a feel in that way. It allows him to kind of – it kind of jumpstarts him to me. Um, and I, I just think it's – it kind of allows him to um, come in there and kind of assert his will a little bit um, and just make his presence felt more than when he's been at the four starting. Uh, it's it's kind of been a little bit more of a feel-out process for him. And uh, – I just think he's – when they put him in there with Windler and Osman as well, kind of at the 2, 3, and 4 between the three, they're somewhat interchangeable, at least with Osman and Prince to an extent. Um, I think they can kind of have that trio kind of get it to each other, and, and they he seems to have his chemistry kind of building between those three. Yeah, I think – Or I should say those just, two. Yeah, but, well, yeah. yeah. You know, you know but, what I'm um, saying. You know what you're saying. But, yeah, I, I do like – well, I will say I think that 
I, I understand trying to experiment with these things, and if you know, there's if if it's some last ditch effort to see if you can possibly play Alan and Drummond next to each other long term, you know, whatever the reason might be. But I, I think you know, just from a spacing perspective, it does make a lot more sense to start Prince. But at the end of the day, it's it's not the end of the world. Like I mean, it's not like you're starting two slow footed bigs. Like I think Allen can defend on the perimeter a little bit if need be. Uh, Drummond, you know, not as not not as confident in. But you know, it's there are worse options out there. But um, you just kind of talk about you know hunting shots, being able to hunt shots a little bit more off the bench rather than being in kind of a support starting role. Um, another guy I just kind of want to mention in this game. Dylan Windler, who I thought, you know, he didn't do a lot here, but I thought he kind of had a moment in this game where he hit that. I mean, both of his makes came in that short period of time. Dylan's been struggling lately shooting from deep. Uh, the shots just haven't been falling from out there. But for, I think, like, the first time this season, I finally kind of got to see him hunt a shot with that step back three that he made. It was kind of the first time where he just kind of took the ball and just, you know, it seemed like he, you knew right away that he was going to put it up. And then um, he obviously followed that up with a putback dunk as well. Uh, I thought that that was just a really good stretch from him. Um, Dan, do you want to see Dylan Windler be a little bit more assertive in the minutes that he has? Yeah, I, I think the whole narrative that he's just a shooter, um, I, I don't like it. I, I'd like to see him even get – like I, I really, again, would like to see him get some feature as a roller a little bit. I, I like what he can do. Um, I'd like to see him actually kind of in like the middle of defenses at times, um, kind of just with his ability to just kind of shoot over guys. Um, that's where I'd like to see him a little bit at times. I really would like to see him more in pick and pop situations. I'm so, so sick of the pick and rolls with Drummond where he just slips and before even setting the screen. Um, I think that would really allow – uh, Darius Garland had to get more pull-up three opportunities as well because defenses have to go up there. Uh, and you don't really see that with uh, – Allen's a good, really good screener, but there's just no threat of a real – of that in there. Um, I, I just – I think that would be a nice wrinkle to kind of free up Windler as, as well just because DG can hit those wraparound passes to him and or um, BTBs if that's needed. And – I yeah I'd like but otherwise if Garland's not on the floor especially I, I'd like because Windler's a good passer um, yeah I'd like to see him be able to hit kind of draw guys out a little bit and have more freedom in that way um, and I, I know he doesn't have like a the handle of Garland or whatever but it, it's it's good enough I think it's I mean it's better than Jetty objectively and he just has a quicker release point. Um, Van Jetty, and I, honestly, it's higher. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'd like to see that more. I mean, if he can get switch outs against fours and fives in particular, he, he's got to be able to take advantage of that. And um, if he doesn't, honestly, that's on him a little bit. Yeah, I, I agree there. Um, mentioned Garland real quick. Garland did have seven assists in this game. The, the passing continues to show itself. Uh, I thought I thought he looked very good in this game. But kind of back on Winler for just a second. Are you kind of in agreement here, Amadou? Do you want to see uh, Dylan kind of be more assertive when he's on the floor? Yeah, I definitely would like to, considering that you know we drafted him to be that that sharpshooter type of player that we see a lot of these top NBA uh, teams have. So yeah, it'd be nice. I do want to say though that even though he started the game off kind of slow, like you said, 
for him to still have that confidence to go out there and hit that step back shot, it was nice to see. But I'm in agreement with both you guys. On the plus side, he did also have six rebounds in 14 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. Like that, yeah, that, that specifically has been really impressive to me from him. Oh, yeah, all, all season that he's been playing, his rebounding instincts are clearly there. And I think he's able, not only does he just kind of know where to be, but he's like willing to really kind of fight for him in traffic too. That is it something does, that... It, in, what are you saying? It does, it does admittedly make me a little bit nervous though with the, with the injury stuff. But it's, I, I, like, I, I appreciate that sort of thing from him, which yeah, probably you, many other people don't. Yeah, and I guess, you know, there's always fear with a guy like that, but... I appreciate you know him not being timid though at the same time, and you know yeah. putting oh, yeah. putting himself out there. But uh, yeah, you have to. Yeah, <sighs> I, I got to talk about just real quick the the Colin play at the end of the game where it was kind of a turning point in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, tight game. Colin drives in and uh, draws what almost looked like it could have been an and one that ended up being overturned as an offensive foul. Amadou, I'll start with you on this one. If Devin Booker does that same thing, is it an and one? Do the referees, because it's Devin Booker, give it an and one? Hmm. I do want to say for the player for Colin Sexton, it definitely did look like he kind of, you know, nudged him with his, his arm a bit after he hooked it. But if that's Devin Booker at home... I don't know if the refs make the same call. I will be honest. I don't know. Um, man, that was a tough call to make just in the moment because that is, that is like you said, that is the turning point of the game. I mean, if you make that, I believe what the score was. I think we're down one or down two. Either way, I think, um, was it down two? And and I think the very next play was that the very next play where uh, Cam Johnson hit that wide open three. I'm, I'm not too sure, Thanks. but yeah, yeah but so. I'm not too sure either way. Yeah, like that. That's a it's a game. I don't want to say game winning because you know a lot of things could happen, but you know, game winning game. It's a game altering moment. I mean, that kind of and, decided it. Yeah, game altering moment. Yeah, that that pretty much decided it. I don't want to you know hate on the ref for calling that because like I said, I mean, he did hook his arm and then kind of nudge him with that arm. So you could say that was an offensive foul, but. For most of the superstars in this league, at home, I, I don't know if I don't know if you know they're they're getting that off that offensive foul called. Dan, if that's Devin Booker, is a Nan one? Well, I, I could. I, I'm not in a hundred percent sure on this, but I think he had five fouls in the game, and a couple of them were a little bit, a little bit honestly questionable. I thought. And I actually think he wouldn't get the call. I think he, they would. And honestly, I thought it was the right call. I mean, he clearly I think, Cavs I fans are, well. are, aren't going to like it. But he he did what James Harden does, and he he, which I actually kind of like to see in a way. Um, but uh, it, he clearly hooked in uh, Johnson's arm, got the switch out, which I like to see. I, I like the the aggression there. It was it? I I thought it was. I didn't even think there were like Cam Johnson would even be close to him at all. I figured he'd just blow by him. Um, but I, I like that. Uh, I kind of like that in general. He didn't settle for a floor there. It was it was good to see in that way. Um, but I, he clearly grabbed his arm and like hu- like tugged it into him. I, I understand that people have their gripes, but I thought it was the right call. And frankly, considering the calls that were called on Booker, I, I think they actually would have called it. Yeah. And besides, and besides, the other thing is, 
that was the first game the Suns actually allowed fans in the arena. What were there, 1,500? It's not like fans right now are really having that much of an impact at all. So I don't think no. that really played into it. Yeah, that factor, I'm, I'm not really sure if it would. I mean, but, it, wasn't, um, it wasn't like the Super Bowl where the refs in the first half were <laughs> question, questionable, to say the least. I don't think it was anywhere close really to, questionable. To, to something like that. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I have a couple drumming notes. I think, you know, the, the engagement level when he's on the floor kind of comes and goes. It's been waning, you know, progressively lately. Uh, I believe it was in one of the Bucks games. I, I think it was in one of the Bucks. Yeah, it was. Where he kind of started taking, he, he kind of started feeling himself a little bit and taking those mid-rangers. Uh, and, you know, to... I, I knew that was coming, Dan. But, um... I just gotta say, any 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 Drummond, anything you have to say about Drummond from this game, Dan? From Phoenix game? Yeah, from the Phoenix game. Well, I mean, he played fine. He had fifteen and fourteen, had the yeah. efficient shooting night. Yeah, he. I mean, he played well. Got five offensive rebounds. Admittedly, probably three or four of them were from him himself. Um. But I, just the more you watch Drummond, the more it's like a guy that's kind of just big and burly and like wreck basketball, and he kind of just throws up shots from inside of five feet and just like gets offensive rebounds and like that. Um, so you have to read into it that way. But didn't have. I mean, I think what do you have? One it says one. Yeah, one turnover. That's fine. Um, and again, the Drummond turnovers are again. I'm not a turnover guy. I'm not going to, like, grill people for that. But his turnovers, we didn't see any of the Drummond, like, horrendous whatever turnovers. He, he was doing what he had to do in that sense, and had three steals, two blocks, and I mean, he was an impact player. This was probably the best game he's played in that sense in a while, but Aiton gave him buckets at the other end, and that was that was an issue. And I, I just, I, it is just mind-blowing that the Suns out-rebounded the Cavs in that game. And I, I can't help – I know he had 14 rebounds, but only nine defensive rebounds. And the ones that that's, they – That's just not good it's, enough. <laughs> it, just, it just seemed like the offensive rebound plays that they got, it, it was like every time they would get a three, it seemed like. And I, I'm sorry, Andre, for calling you out, but it was pretty glaringly obvious that the effort on the defensive glass is not what it is in the offensive glass. Yeah, I yeah, I I just don't. Like I said he he just he got bullied by by DeAndre on that end, but um, I, I also just want to note real quick. I think it's the, it's either like the third or fourth time it's happened, where Drummond gets the ball at the elbow, and then it just kind of freezes for him. <laughs> it, it it was everyone knows the play, where you know he you know held the ball for, you know, half the game and then decided to drive and, like, threw it behind him. We kind of got another one of those. I think we got a couple of those moments in this game where he, he just he holds move. the ball. It, it, it's becoming his signature move. He, he yeah, holds the ball on the elbow. Guys cut around him. Uh, he doesn't pass to any of them, whether they're open or not. Dribble or, or try to no, cross no dribble. Over. I don't know what no, he does. He runs just, the rim just, and just throws it up. Yeah. Just <laughs> stand, stand there for about five to six seconds and then make a hopeless drive with, with no momentum and a big descent, a, a center standing in front of you that you can't mm-hmm. get around and you can't get yeah. through and then put up a horrible shot. I think we can officially call that the signature Andre Drummond shot. 
But um, it's it's this pretty much says this doesn't include the past game, but this is from Jackson Flickinger of Fear the Sword. Basically, he said his Drummond's field goal percentage drops to forty one point four percent when he has it from two to six seconds, and then he said these numbers cash, capture most of his most of his post ups or his face up dribble drives from ten to fifteen feet, and then unsurprisingly, his field goal percentage again not including Monday but drops to 30.4% when he has it for more than six seconds. That epitomizes, that says everything you need to know about an Andre Drummond ISO right there. Yeah. Uh, One last note on this game before we kind of move on here. Uh, I'll start with you on this one, on Amadou. Uh, Isaac Okoro braids or Isaac Okoro with no braids? Hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna say no braids because it adds it adds you know a no couple uh, you know the height increases somewhat I guess I don't know uh, either way as long as he's, he's able to contest shots more through, that extra height yeah sure sure whatever gives him a, a, a small advantage but yeah honestly you know braids no braids you know if he can defend and hit the open three I'm fine with whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna go with with braids. I thought it just looked weird. Like I mean, it didn't look bad. I just think it looked weird. I'm not used to it. Yeah. Dan, which side are you on here? Yeah, I like no braids. I think it. Uh, I think it was just a solid look. Um, I think it kind of. I, I like Darius's uh, look this year, though. That that's pretty sick. Mm, the braids, yeah. Um, his his look sick, but I, I I hadn't seen like. I loved when Okoro had the no-braid look um, at Auburn. I thought that looked – I just think he looks mean. I think it's kind of like a um, – it's like a Ben Wallace element when he'd let him go. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just yeah. – I feel like okay. that's – that kind of does it for me. Maybe I just need a little bit of time to get used to it. Like I said, I think more than anything, I was just kind of thrown off by it. But um, it's not the worst. Like I said, it's definitely not a bad look. Um, I want to kind of get into some other stuff here. Uh, at The Athletic, uh, Kelsey Russo and Danny LaRue had an article together talking just about basically off-season stuff, focusing mainly on extensions, uh, looking at Colin Sexton and uh, Jared Allen, who we're all assuming that the Cavaliers will extend both of this off-season. Just kind of looking at what the numbers might look like there. Uh, in the past, we've kind of talked about what those numbers might look like. Um, Allen, more recently, we talked about maybe being more in like the, the 15 to 18 range. Uh, you know, with, with 18, just with restricted free agents in general, usually, you know, getting more than they're worth maybe, being what we kind of saw being realistic. Danny LaRue of The Athletic and Real GM and other places, uh, who was a very, you know, knowledgeable salary cap guy uh, and just overall, you know, league guy. But um, he put uh, Jarrett Allen as a realistic range of 8 to $12 million a year on a deal he did mention that a high end of a deal could be in the $16 million a year range, close to Clint Capella. But, um, Dan, I'll start with you here. I-, I was personally surprised, and I do not believe that Allen will sign anywhere near 8 to $12 million a year. Uh, where do you kind of see his value at right now? Do you agree with this? Do you think it's higher? Yeah, I just think it's... He basically also said that um, if he puts up big numbers between now and the summer, the high end of his market is probably around 16 mil a year. That just seems pretty, uh, the 15 to 16 mil per ballpark just seems more realistic to me. Um, just factoring in like what he's been able to do, uh, 
um, when he's had more of an extended role. We've we've seen the production that's been there. Um, the offense just flows so much better with him, and I think other teams, I would assume, probably realize that too. Not a guy that you have to uh, really worry about getting the ball a ton via post ups or. Um, the, a guy just who just knows his role, but is going to be very effective. And I, I understand he's not a guy that's going to like switch out, but uh, he is pretty mobile. He can hang with guys for a couple of dribbles if need be, and, and is another one that plays vertical. Um, and I, I, I don't re- remember exactly, um, but I, I think he's been pretty durable overall. Uh, and yeah, I just I would expect it to be 15, 16 per. I would think that there'd be somebody that would give an give him an offer sheet in that realm, like Charlotte. Yeah, Charlotte and OKC are two teams that kind of come to mind as places that could throw an offer sheet like that at him. At, Adams is a, Adams is expiring, right? Adams, like Steve, Steve, Stephen Adams. I'm saying from Stephen OKC, Adams yeah. is in New Orleans. Pelicans. Yeah, he's in a Pelicans. Got oh, Al I'm so, right I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. That was dumb. They have Al Horford right no. now. Apologies. Which, Al Horford I'm, is under contract, but he's not their guy in the future. Yeah. 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 But yeah, that that would okay. See, yeah, that would make sense. I would be thrilled if it were in that eight to twelve range. I think Cleveland should throw a parade just for that if they're able to get a long term deal in that range. Like I don't expect that to happen at all. I'm do. What do you see as a realistic kind of range? I I still think it could be as with a high end of eighteen million. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you see it at right now? Yeah, I'm in, I'm in agreement with Dan. I feel like that fifteen to sixteen million dollar mark is is just right for Jordan. Like you said, I mean he's he's reliable. You know the offense flows well with him. Uh, he just does everything right, and that's really what you want out of a center. But um, talking about some other just competition, I guess you could say, teams that could throw money at him. You know, they do mention Charlotte and uh, Oklahoma, but I feel like both of these teams could find a, a big in the draft. Charlotte, you know, they're in the playoff race currently, but it might not end up that way uh, towards the end of the season. And, and the Thunder have their pick as well as the Heat's unprotected 2021 pick, and the Heat aren't doing so hot either. So that pick right now, I believe, is looking to be, what, top six? I think it is right now. So, yeah, the Thunder could actually come away with their big of the future in the draft. So I'm not really too worried about the Thunder. Maybe maybe you could say to Charlotte, yeah, just because you have LaMelo, you see how much um, he and Miles Bridges, the success they've had on lobs, maybe they look to pair him with another lob threat. I don't know, but I'm in agreement with uh, both of you guys, honestly. 15 to $16 million uh, sounds just about right. Yeah, and it definitely will depend on the market. Obviously, that's how all these things mm-hmm. go. Sexton was another one that was mentioned. Uh, Danny mentioned that Sexton would likely be in the 15 to $20 million a year range uh, for his next extension, well, for his, his coming extension this offseason. Again, I kind of thought this was kind of an undershot as far as what I expect him to get. I, I definitely think that they would come to terms on an extension, but I, I just feel like it might be higher than that, honestly. Um I see him as kind of a low twenties guy to start, maybe not low twenties guy to start, but um, it, it, more in like an eighteen to twenty two range per is kind of what I had in mind for a guy like Colin. Uh, and obviously, I don't know if, if he continues, he could he could end up netting more than that. Um, Amadou, where are you at with Colin? Do you think that fifteen to twenty is kind of underselling where he's at right now? I I, guess I personally feel like. Yeah. The extension number will end up being higher than that. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely underselling Colin Sexton. Um, a big key to his contract is just 
where he'll finish this year. If he'll be an All Star, I feel like that'd be that'd be big for him in the contract talks. But um, yeah, I mean, if I'm gonna be honest with you, I see him potentially getting twenty five mil a year for four years. Um, and some points that he touched on, you know, in the article talking about how even though Colin Sexton, you know, is shown, you know. I just had like a brain fart. Showing, uh, you know, <laughs> growth in the, in the yeah in the, in the scoring department. He talks about his playmaking being, you know, being still a a question mark. But I feel like his playmaking has definitely grown. And alongside Darius Garland, I don't feel like it has to be something that's too crazy. Like I don't I don't expect Colin to ever be like a six seven assists per per game type of guy. I mean, right now he's a he's at four, and I feel like for him that's 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 pretty good considering where he's come from. He could you know hit that five a game mark in his prime, but you know, four to five is, is is what I like for him. I feel like Collins our guy. Maybe you know you could say that he's not a number one on a championship team. I feel like he could definitely be a number two, number three guy. But four year, a hundred million dollars. I feel like that may be enough to get it done. But like I said, I feel like if he makes an All Star game, he might he might command a contract similar to Donovan Mitchell or De'Aaron Fox that that rookie scale supermax or whatever you want to call it. But you know, we it, have to see how it would be. Ends. Yeah, it, it would be a twenty-five percent max for him, which yeah, would okay. be yeah. like upper twenties, mid to upper twenties mm-hmm. to start. In uh, that, yeah, if, if he makes the All Star game this year, which again, I think he's just outside of the picture right now, personally, mm-hmm. like just outside of the picture. If he picks yeah. it up and you know outplays a guy like Zach Levine here, that could flip. But um, yeah, I think that that that'll obviously give Colin a lot of negotiating power this off season. Uh, as well, that's a good point, Dan. Where, where do you think that Colin is at right now, as far as what is his value is in a number this off season? Yeah, I just I'm with Hamadou on that. I think the four for a hundred is feasible, um, or the buddy healed like whatever it was four for ninety four. I think that realm is fair. Um, either that, or if, if he chooses maybe to. Uh, potentially bet on himself, maybe um, could, if he maybe does that, has like a monster year next year, um, could be like a 25% max guy and get that Bradley Beal like five for whatever it was, like 125, 126, something in that range, whatever that was, I could maybe see that um, next offseason. If like I, I could potentially see somebody maybe giving him that, or the Cavs just giving him a new deal in that realm, but yeah, I, overall, if it were this off season, I think what Amadou said is is feasible. Uh, that's just what he's been able to do. I, I personally don't see him as being an all star. It's not that I don't think he's played well. I just wouldn't expect that to be the case. Um, just given the other guards in the East, and mm-hmm. I, it seems like they'd consider Jalen Brown a two guard at this point. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, I just I, given that he's kind of just outside that range, I think it'll be even more motivation for him. And he's he seems to be a big motivation uh, guy just because of what's happened throughout his first two years. Um, I think that'll even be another kind of jump for him. I could see that in the post All Star. Um, so, but yeah, I'm with Hamadou. I, I just feel like that 15 to 20 mil, I just feel like that's kind of wishful thinking from a calf standpoint. I don't see that. I don't see it. Again, like they should be celebrating a lot if they get, yeah, if they get Jarrett Allen and Colin Sexton 
in the first years of their contract had a combined twenty three million. Yeah, that's wow. <laughs> I don't see that happening. Yeah, that's see that. that'd be getting both of them for Belichick money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey everyone, the NBA season is underway, and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. Here, we'll, we'll kind of we'll move past the extensions a little bit. Um, talk about Larry Nance a little bit. Obviously, we know that he's going to be out for some time here. He broke his finger. Uh, I think it was Kevin O'Connor who reported that. Yeah. If Larry Nance were made available on the trade market, his uh, his trade value is probably at an all time high for him, and just really, really, really a high right now in general. Um, it's definitely a good thing the Cavaliers didn't trade him for the 14th pick this offseason. I still don't see there being any way whatsoever that the Cavaliers trade Larry Nance. Um, like it, Dan, can you see a world, like any any world at this point, where Larry Nance is out of Cleveland this season? No, I don't see it. Um, I, I would think maybe more so next deadline when he has, like, not wouldn't be expiring, but the year following would be. And I get it with the declining deal. He's on a pretty team-friendly deal. Um, Like that, I understand. I get why contenders feasibly would be interested in him. And Zach Lowe previously reported that um, they'll call the Cavs about him. But, yeah, I just – a substantial return or significant return, like I don't – see that as being like a lottery protected pick at all whatsoever. I, I just, nobody seems to get those, be content trading those for guys like that. Um, no disrespect to Larry Nance. It's just, it's yeah, I, I don't see it. And if I'm the Cavs, I'm not giving him up for a non-lottery pick in the next draft. I understand it's a deep draft. I'm a big fan of the draft um, this coming one, but I'd rather them have a, a solid pick this next draft and then have Larry Nance to be, if you end up moving love in the off season or, or near the draft, whatever, um, have that guy to show maybe like a combo forward, the ropes. And I, I he just means too much to this team. And Evan Damerill recently kind of wrote about why the Cavs should never consider trading him. I don't know about never, but if they didn't in, he retired here at Cav. I'd be more than fine with that just because of what he means to this team on and off the floor. And I think as this team kind of takes steps towards contention, particularly towards the playoffs, like I think I think they took a step this year. I think they'll continue taking steps. Like Larry Nance is going to be a good guy to have around. Like he's still, you know, he's outside of the quote unquote timeline of the young guys, but, but not, not that far out to where like he's not going to be able to like 
Yeah. There's a world where like Larry Nance is on the next good Cavs team. Yeah, he like, could. I could definitely see him getting another Cavs deal or contract, though. Like, yeah, like absolutely, like no doubt about it. I am interested though. You saying that you don't think a, a team would give up a lottery pick for him, based off of just the reporting that, like his his trade value is really it's, high right now. That's just such a. It's just so subjective. I don't know what exactly that entails, but well, yeah, I'm thing. just saying I, it doesn't seem like the Cavs would take anything less than that. No, I don't. They they certainly wouldn't. But um, my point was just that it seems like the Celtics were willing to give up the 14th pick, which technically is a lottery pick for them yeah. this offseason. And obviously, like, that was never going to happen. But you'd think if, if they were willing to give that up then, like teams would be willing to give up maybe even a little bit more than that now. Hmm. At least in my eyes. Yeah. Amadou, where are you at on this? I feel like that last part that Dan said is what really is why I don't believe that Larry Nance should and would be traded because what he means to this team and to the city. You know, you talk about what he's doing this season, you know, getting gear from those small businesses that were affected by the pandemic, doing that thing. Yeah, his father being, you know, uh, a past legend, if you want to say that here. Everything that he just means to this team, that that, I don't want to say veteran leadership just yet because Larry Nance is still, what, like 27, 28, but, you know, just he's connected with all the guys. I just don't see it, but... Yeah, I mean, like you said, the the Celtics were willing to give it the 14th pick, and that was before Larry Nance became an all-defensive caliber player. So, I mean, if if you can get a top nine pick, maybe, that's something that I would consider. But like I said, again, I don't know. I just feel like he means too much to this team. And obviously, we don't know exactly where picks are going to end up right now either. So, it's... Yeah, as of right yeah. now, it's it's kind of a it's a shot in the dark as far as where picks mm-hmm. are going to end up. But yeah, long story short, the Cavs aren't going to trade Larry Nance this year. Um, just it's just not going to happen. Uh, Want to talk about another trade that might be a little bit more likely, which is Javale McGee. Uh, the Nets not only have signed Norvell Pellin free agency now, they've also signed Noah Vonley to a deal. Um, two kind of forward center types. I, I assume in Brooklyn, if they get minutes, they're going to be more at the five spot. I, as a Cavs fan who has been such so on the uh, JaVale McGee to Brooklyn train, this is kind of disappointing because it just seems like that, that dream is kind of slowly fading away. Uh, I think Miami is still a spot for him, but it just it, it seems like at this point they wouldn't have signed both Norvell and Noah if they were going to you know still be interested in JaVale. It just doesn't make sense, even with them being on non-guaranteed deals. But um, I think that Miami is still a very real possibility. We've discussed that in the past. Um, they have plenty of exceptions that they could absorb him into. Amadou, I'll start with you. Are, are there any other like realistic spots in your mind right now where JaVale would make sense for a team? Yeah, maybe like the Raptors. Um, the Raptors are... They, they need a center badly. It's uh, I mean, you know, Chris Boucher is, of course, he's playing well in that six-man role. They still have um, Aaron Baines, but Aaron Baines is, what, I believe 35, 36 now, so... You might want to get younger there. The Hornets, I mean, they're at the stands right now. They are in the playoffs. Maybe they want to make another playoff push. Just adding another big can never hurt, especially one for cheap. You know, Chevelle McGee shouldn't cost you too much. And looking at the Western Conference, potentially the Kings, Hassan Whiteside hasn't really played well. And I believe, I don't even, is he even in their rotation currently? Um, I don't know. I'm not I honestly sure couldn't even tell you whether yeah. Hassan's been in the rotation the past few games. I haven't yeah. been watching very much Kings. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not even sure there, but the Western Conference is, 
this is a bloodbath. Like like every single year, you know, it's a lot of teams that are close. I mean, you talk about the Thunder being ten and thirteen, and you three games, or excuse me, hold on, they are two games out of the eighth seed and are the fourteenth seed in the Western Conference. So, I mean, if it, if Javale McGee could potentially hold that much weight to where you know maybe he makes a play here and there that you know turns the tide of a game, and I mean. Like I said, considering how close that Western Conference is, that that's big right now. So, you know, there's a few teams out west, a couple teams out east that, yeah, could definitely take a flyer. Not even a flyer, but, you know, make a trade for him. And not only, Amadou, does he have that ability to make a big play in a game, but that developing three-point shot as well. <laughs> yeah, that too. That too, honestly. Yep. It's a man. Uh, Dan, I, I, like I said, outside of Miami, which I think is an obvious one, are there any, like – spots that you think make a lot of sense for DeVale right now? Yeah, honestly, Amadou kind of took my one from the Kings. That was about the only one out there um, that I was kind of – maybe like San Antonio, just a team that likes to um, have their share of fives. That could be one. To me, I, I feel like he'd kind of mesh well. Um, always a team that kind of likes those veteran leadership guys – um, but if they I moved know, away just, from Lamarcus, I could definitely see that. Yeah, well, that—that's what I was just going to get at—is because they there seems to be that they're rumored to because he's an expiring guy. If they were able to um, get off that initial or before, and then kind of bring in McGee, that's kind of what I was alluding to. Um, but honestly, I just think with Heat, with the Heat, that'd be one that could be in that realm—a um, team that I think he'd buy into really well and honestly I, I i don't i don't think he's really been in the rotation a whole lot but i don't know i mean if you're able to get uh a, f- a future two and honestly I, I like chris silva if i were the Cavs, like that it, yeah, that'd I, be interesting. I, I i actually like him a lot kind of a kind of an unsung guy but actually filled in pretty uh well last season kind of Littered throughout the year, not a ton of usage or minutes, but I don't know. I mean, the guy's, what is he, 24 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like him as kind of like a kind of like a smaller type guy, but he's pretty thick. I think he's like 240 um, at 6'8". That's a guy I, I could maybe see them bringing back it, it, theoretically. Kind of yeah, kind of as a flyer, exactly. And um and then if you look to move Drummond following that, that's kind of why I'd be proceeding to that. Yeah, I, I like that idea a lot, actually. Um, and we, we talk about Toronto, and Amadou, you mentioned Toronto as a place that might make some sense for JaVale. I, I think he would fit in well there. I'm just My, my kind of concern is that I'm not sure that he's a, mo- a needle mover exactly for a team that has been really kind of reeling. Uh, he could be had for cheap, obviously, but I also want to mention the fact that uh, – it seems like, obviously, we know that Dallas has kind of been, as far as at least places that make sense, one that we've talked about plenty. Uh, we've talked about Toronto a little bit as well for Andre, but it seems like that's picking up at least a little bit of steam uh, that the Raptors do have interest, at least, in Andre Drummond. Um, again, we can talk about needle movers and which way the Raptors should be going right now. Uh, there are reports that maybe they're looking to move on from Kyle Lowry. I kind of doubt that that'll happen, but uh, I, I think if, if a move is out there for them to get better, that's the road that they'll take. But do you think, Amadou, that Andre Drummond is a guy who could kind of 
snap the Raptors out of this funk. Uh, we've, we've already talked about what a real estate deal might look like. It could really get complicated for this team. Uh, there might have to be a third team involved, and that just kind of gets into a mess. But just looking at the fit in general and overall impact that he would make, do you can think I, that he would be I, enough for the Raptors? I apologize. Can I just make one proposed maybe deal uh, yes, based, based, based on JaVale? The, Warrior, the Warriors are really short on bigs. Why not? Like, to me, you're prob- you're really not playing JaVale a whole lot anyway. How about they give us a future two and when he's able to be traded, Brad Wanamaker for them getting back McGee. I feel like that's mutually beneficial. Um, are they really willing to move on from Brad Wanamaker? I mean, who else do they Prob- have? There? Probably not, but... But I don't know. I mean, you can – like, Jordan Poole last season kind of came on for them. I feel like he can be kind of a de facto one factored in with I Kent. With Kent. Jordan, I watched Jordan, Jordan Poole play against the G League Ignite tonight. Well, and I don't, know, I don't know how that works or not, but yeah. Well, Kaminga, yeah, kind of uh, sent that in the next week. But, <laughs> but Jordan, Jordan Poole can shoot, so – he can shoot. I'm just. I'm not sure that I want him as my backup point guard right now, especially if like the goal is to get better as a team, which I think that's why you bring in Javale. Like, yeah. I think yeah. I, I would have to check. I don't think does does Golden I mean, State Damian still Lee have too. any trade exceptions? It's just more of a. Uh, uh, Damian Lee is more of just a shooter in my eyes. Like shooting. I don't want him in a backup ball handle. I, I, I thought they had a trade exception for him, but eh, whatever. You can you can gloss over that. It was just just kind of spitballing. I mean, I feel like. Brad Wanamaker isn't somebody who would stop them from making a trade like that. I mean, you can easily replace him with like a Shabazz Napier or even a Yogi Ferrell like we talked about. I mean, it's just a player who can do little while Seth gets a breather, you know, so. Yeah, I, the same kind of – well, uh, yeah, I guess that's a fair point. I, I just say that just because big is a clear need for them right now and – the Cavs kind. Of, I mean, they could use kind of a backup point guard that kind of knows what he's doing with what happened. What's happened to Delhi, and I, I like Damian Dotson still will, but I, I, it just seems like he's kind of is probably going to be just like out of the rotation game to game. And I feel like Wanamaker can can defend, and I don't know. It, it's just just kind of a thought just came across my mind just because the way the Warriors are, they they move the ball anyway, kind of by committee, even without Steph. Like with Toscano Anderson, kind of gets backdoor stuff, and uh, it, it was just a thought. But you, we we can move on to Amadou's question. Sorry. Well, here actually, I, I do just want to say one more thing. Sorry, uh, we do have the disabled player exception of Clay Thompson to play with here. Mm. How much? Right. Is, how much is that? It's it's like over nine million dollars. It's like the yeah. mid, it's like the mid level right. exception. So he would fit into that. Yeah. All right. There you go. I think I, at that point you would have to waive someone, I believe, if you're them. Uh, yeah. Damian Lee and Michael Mulder are on expirings. I don't really think yeah, – maybe they're, think they're fine with moving on from waiving. Mulder. Yeah, I would just, like, right. say screw it and waive Smelly Geach. Like, he's only guaranteed yeah. for this season. Like, I, I would move on from him. Yeah. But the, they're the, – I, I like that, Dan. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, I have somewhere else to look at than Miami now. I think that, that I mean, obviously you just have the sense. JaVale reunion factor that kind of goes into that as well. Not, not the, obviously not the, the sole reason that you do something like that, but it, I think it factors in at least a touch uh, that, that, you know, he already has a good relationship with the organization. But uh, yeah, with that, Amadou, do you like Andre in Toronto? Do you think that that's something that kind of 
puts them back on the level that they were at last year, or do you think it would take more than that? Um, I don't believe. I mean, unless Nick Nurse can, you know, have a one-on-one with Andre and let him know that this your signature move that you're trying to do, dribbling at, at the free throw line and trying to just chucking the ball at the backboard, you know, not really setting screens, you know, the attention span isn't really there. Unless he has a one-on-one with him and lets him know that these are things he has to fix and Andre actually does it, I don't I don't know how much, you know, Andre moves it for them. I mean, I guess you could say it's another... I, do you even want to call Drummond another scoring option considering that his offense is just throwing the ball at, at the hoop and hoping it goes in? <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Uh, he's want, a scoring option in the sense that, like, on a good team, he can give you, like, 14 points a night. Well, mostly, yeah. Hopefully yeah. off of offensive boards. Yeah, but the question is also, is it an, an efficient 14? You know, I mean, he can that's give you 14, a, yeah, that's but, thing. yeah, will it take you 14 shots to get there? I don't know how. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, if they want him, they can have him, honestly. Um, but like we said, a trade would be very complicated. Just talking about his fit, I mean, they do have spacing. You know, you have Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, OG once he gets healthy. Uh, Norman Powell's another guy who, you know, can knock down a three-point shot. And Pascal is really starting to pick it up, you know, over the past, you know, couple of weeks or so. So that team, I look at the Raptors as trending upwards. So I don't know if they would try to make a move that big now. Um, But, I mean, again, we'll see. You know, honestly, we don't know what's going on yeah, at the same time, I feel like if this team is starting to trend upwards, like you want to make a move to kind of shore up your biggest weak spot. Just because mm-hmm. I feel like Aaron yeah. Baines is just so clearly not the answer. Uh, Chris Boucher, I think you you he's at his best in the more limited role. I don't mm-hmm. think you can play him too heavy, especially not in the playoffs if he has a matchup like Embiid or you know another big center. I just think that that's and, and I mean to be fair, you know Drummond has had the struggles against Embiid in the past as well. But I think that yeah. it's a guy that at least makes sense for him. Um, and I think, you know, again, if you can get him to buy into not having as big of a role, I think that that's actually a place that could, like, really kind of use him. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, just as, you know, kind of a backline rim protector. Um, and just if you can if you can get him bought into not being a featured piece of your offense, then I'm all for it. That's yeah. my eyes if, I, if I'm Toronto. Uh, Dan, do you like the fit here? Yeah, I think that's the biggest issue with Drummond is we've never really seen him in a contending situation or I think he had the well, he's had what two playoff runs at Detroit and neither of them were really I mean, they they needed him to produce and I'm not going to grill him for that. Um, But yeah, I just think with the way Toronto is, I mean, they're a little bit they, – they utilize isolation here and there, but it just with how they move the ball, I, I don't really they, – they, if I were them, I, I get why you'd go out and get him and he's expiring, but I, I just it's, – it's hard to see them giving up a whole lot for Andre Drummond given that it'd be a rental and the, the way he plays. In theory, you'd think he could buy into that, but it's one thing to say it and it's another thing to actually see it. And I, I just – I don't know if I were them I, I get that they don't want to start <laughs> excuse me um, with Aaron Baines I get that they need some kind of oomph up there and production but yeah it, given that they could be maybe on the verge of a rebuild, rebuild I, I don't really know 
if that is really all that worth it. Um, and instead can maybe go out to play more zone, if you will, if as they've done in the past. And the problem is with him, it, it just smothers so much of the ball. I, I don't really know how much of a screener he would be. And I, I just, I don't know if I'm kind of betting my last ditch stuff with Kyle Lowry on, on hinging on Andre Drummond. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, we'll move on here. I want to get into a couple of trades uh, from our most reputable sources and NBA Analysis Network and Bleacher Report. Um, everyone's still trying to trade Kevin Love. Again, it's not going to happen this year, especially not for anything of value. Um, at least not for this value. We'll start with the... Um, both of these trades, I, I'll start by saying, are trying to trade Kevin Love to the Wizards. Um, and the NBA Analysis one is a bigger can of worms than that. But we'll just start with this one, which is trying to make your big three in Washington consist of Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook, and Kevin Love. Uh Suspect to say the least, especially if this team is giving up more depth. Uh, we don't need to spend a ton of time on these trades. I just figured I'd bring them up. But um, Kevin Love to the Wizards for Davis Bertans, Troy Brown Jr., Robin Lopez, and two second-round picks. I personally feel like the two second-round picks would be enough for the Cavs to pull a trigger on a deal right now, uh, throwing in Troy Brown into this deal. And a guy like Bertans, who is not shooting the ball well, but... Again, as someone who like I have faith that could maybe turn it around in Cleveland, uh, and be you know what he was last year. Amadou, is there any world where a trade like this happens? Um, obviously, again, this would be a significant haul for the Cavaliers for Kevin Love. Um, <laughs> are you? Are, do you like the idea of Kevin yeah. Love on the Wizards? As as if the Wizards defense couldn't get any worse. I I, I just don't know like what. The mindset is here on this trade. I mean, you you're giving up Bertans, who they just signed to an extension, and you say, yeah, he's in a slump right now. But you know, he, he'll, I'm I'm confident I will get out of that. Um, and this may be a hot take, but how how much better is Kevin Love than Bertans? I I agree. You know, Kevin Love is still better than him, but how much better? And you got to factor in Kevin Love's injury history. He's not durable at all. His contract size, so that makes it even harder. For the Wizards to do a move after that, considering that you have Russ making... I mean, you talk about it. Is that two of the top four worst contracts in the NBA that the Wizards have now? Russell Westbrook and Kevin Love's contract? <laughs> it might be. Yeah. Ooh, that's... And, you know... Yeah. I think with... Yeah. I, I think with Bertans, like... With the way that Bertans has played this season, Kevin Love is a clear, 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 clear upgrade. But is he a clear, clear, clear career upgrade, especially being injury-prone over Bertans, Troy Brown, and Robin Lopez? Like, Robin hasn't been that great this year, but he's at least, like, a playable center. Um, and Troy Brown Jr., I personally, like, really, really, really like, and I would love his fit with this team as a point forward that kind of can provide some complementary playmaking alongside, you know, Garland and Sexton. Um, Dan, do you like the idea of... Uh, <laughs> Of, do you think that there's any chance of Kevin Love ending up in Washington and forming a big three with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook? Well, I guess you could say that world would be if the sky is uh, green. green? I, I, I don't know. Green, there you um, go. Yeah, I, I don't see it happening. Um, and with Bertans, like it's a, it's a, 
I, I kind of understand where Amadou is coming from in a way. Um, just because I, I understand, like, he's he's had shooting struggles this year, but he is also shooting eight threes a game in – I mean, that, that's that's a lot for a guy that's coming off the bench. Um, and he's a career 40% three-point shooter on almost five a game. And he's he's legit shooters, can shoot off, really can shoot off movement too. Um, but yeah, with there's no, like, there's no comparison between him and Love because he's a next-to-nothing rebounder. Um, but, and if he has to dribble, you, you kind of have to watch out there. Uh, but yeah, there's just no way in, in this universe that the Cavs would be able to get that. I just, I don't see it. Um, and I, yeah, just Troy Brown added into it too. There's, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd do it if I were the Cavs. I just, I don't know why in the Wizards right in mind, they would do that given the contract history or, or and injury history and, um, it's, I guess for them, it could be another player to move down the road, maybe be a guy that they'd be looking at for the following deadline when he has like the following year expiring. But I, it's at that point, I just, I don't really see the reasoning there. And I, I don't really know how much that, frankly, just given that Love has barely played this year at all, I, I don't know if that really has. Bradley Beal really buy in more, and yeah, it, it's just with love. I, that's pretty pretty darn wishful thinking. At least at this point, if we'll have to see what he does when he comes back here, maybe you could get something like that in the off season. But right now, I just I don't see it, and I don't I don't think Bertans is going to be a thirty three percent three point shooter in three weeks from now, even. All right, they, well, they've, they've also, keep in mind, had a number of games canceled due to, or postponed yes, due they to have. COVID. They've, so they've that, been that, hasn't that, ha- yeah. that hasn't helped. No, it hasn't. Well, we can talk about the Bleacher Report trade all we want, but the NBA Analysis Network takes it to a new level uh, with their Kevin Love to Washington trade. Hey, I'm, they uh, have. I was with them before. I can't ever completely hate on NBA Analysis Network. Shout out to you guys, but we're not but, here to hate on them. We're not but, here to hate on this, them. We're just here to. This, this is a little bit out there. <laughs> we're just here to talk about it. Um, Kevin Love, Darius Garland, Jarrett Allen, Larry Nance, and two first round picks in 2021, which is probably you have to assume a pretty valuable pick in 2023 for <laughs> Bradley Beal. Ish Smith, Robin Lopez, and Jerome Robinson. I don't know where to start. Um, <laughs> wow, Amadou, how do you how do you uh, give me your give me your thoughts here? We we bring in Bradley Beal to um, Cleveland for everything. Yeah, to pair him with lot. Andre Drummond. <laughs> that's that that's a lot for. <laughs> I mean, you know, Bradley Beal is great. You know, he's a fantastic player. I believe he's an All Star this season, but. A big three of Colin Sexton, Bradley Beal, and Andre Drummond. And what else would he be? I mean, Isaac Coro will still be here. Isaac um, Coro. You have Taurine Prince. To Taurine to... Prince. Jetty. Jetty. Damian Dotson. Dotson. Maybe JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee. JaVale McGee is still here. I just don't think that team's a playoff team. And even if they are, 
I, I don't think that's a – I think at most that's maybe a six seed. You're, you're probably getting bounced in the first round. And, I mean, you're giving up Darius Garland, who has had a pretty great, you know, season this year. You're giving up Jared Allen, who we just traded for to become our center of the future. Uh, Larry Nance, who we were just talking about. As well as your first round pick this year and in 2023, I, I'll just, I'll pass. I, I'll, I'll definitely pass on that one. I, you're just giving up way too much for him. And in, even that, does Bradley Bill want to be here in Cleveland? I think that's well, another that was thing one that thing I was going to mention is we're talking about him requesting a trade from Washington and then he comes to Cleveland where like the situation's maybe a little bit better. But bringing in Bradley Beal and sending out Jared Allen and uh, Larry Nance, you can kiss the Cavs' uh, impressive defense goodbye. Yeah. Uh, Dan, without trashing uh, the analysis network here, what do you think of the trade? Uh, well, um, I'd say, like, there's got to be, like, a Sopranos gif of, like, like Tony unleashing fury on somebody. Um, really not much to add here. Uh, just really don't like giving up. I, I get Beal's a, a really good player. No doubt about that. But again, what kind of buy-in are you going to really have? Uh, not, I mean, you're pretty much locking in that you're going to resign Drummond in the off season, which would be not great. Um, I don't know where, the growth of Isaac Okoro is going to go in that situation. I, I don't, yeah, I just, I don't see it. Uh, Torian Prince, you can kiss his buy-in goodbye, you would think. Um, and that, I mean, that'd be understandable from these guys, really. Um, I, I just feel like it'd be pretty much three, a three-man team, and they'd basically be, the rest of the players would be watching uh, it'd be uh, pretty much guys. Uh, you, you might as well just go get guys at the at the Y or whatever, because that there'd be no. It'd be Andre Drummond getting p- p- pissed about, or Bradley Beal getting pissed eventually about Drummond slipping screens too early. I, I just that I, this just makes zero sense. And I, why you'd give up two ones for a team in this situation? Uh, I'd rather not give away Jonathan Kaminga possibility um, or Jalen Green for this. That's just my opinion. All right. Well, before we before we get out of here, we got a couple more things to touch on real quick. Uh, the Cavs are going to be starting here soon, so we won't make it too long. But you know, we, we've kind of talked down on Andre quite a bit in this in this podcast here today. Um, I think we got to end it on kind of a positive note. You know, Irvin Magic Johnson. His own Twitter account, he gave Andre Drummond a shout-out. He said, in the tweet, the NBA players that are playing awesome for their team, yet flying under the radar, are Detroit's Jeremy Grant, Minnesota's Malik Beasley, who, by the way, shout-out to Malik. I think he has, like, 120 days in prison after the season. But um, Sacramento's De'Aaron Fox, Chicago's Zach Levine, Utah's Bojan Bogdanovic, Miami's Bam Adebayo, and Cleveland's Andre Drummond goes on to say, with an exclamation point, Andre Drummond is leading the league in rebounds with 14 per and 18.5 points per game. Dan, is is Andre Drummond flying under the radar out here? 
I think he's just pretty much doing what he's typically been doing. It's I just think around the league, not in Cleveland or a lot of people just consider Cleveland and it seems like Detroit kind of like black holes where people just kind of go to die. So um, I, I guess Magic tweeted that out probably from the golf course. I, I don't know. Like I'll, basically all I have what, I, what Magic was having when he tweeted that. All I, I guess you could say that about every tweet he has because, oh, I mean, Boyan Bogdanovich <laughs> and Miami's Bam Adebayo and – Sacramento's De'Aaron Fox and Chicago's Zach Levine. Yeah. Like how like what what kind of under the like what radar is is are they flying under exactly? I, I don't yeah, yeah. That's, I, I, I don't really <laughs> oh. understand. Like were, were these guys like like second round picks? Uh, where is this where is this coming from? We need to get um we need to get Magic's top thirty NBA players in alphabetical order next. Oh god. Um, <laughs> uh well, before we get out of here, we're just going to kind of take a broader look at what things are going on. Or what, what what things are going to be going on. Uh, we got the Nuggets tonight on the road. We got the Blazers, the Clips, the Warriors, the Spurs, the Thunder all on the road after that. Amadou, I'll start with you on this one. The Cavaliers are 10-15 and 15 right now. They are currently sitting at 11th in the Eastern Conference. Is this road trip going to sink them or are they going to stay afloat? What's going to happen here, man? Yeah, um. I honestly think the road trip's going to sink them. And I wouldn't even say that it's a bad thing just because, you know, they're dealing with injuries. But, you know, some of these teams that they're playing are tough. Like, we got the Nuggets tonight against Jokic, who is a top three MVP candidate, in my opinion. You got the Blazers. Even though CJ is out with that injury, Dame is still killing it as always. The Clippers, of course, uh, we don't know if Paul George will be back for that game or not. But either way, I don't see us winning that. The Warriors, they're turning it around. Draymond's healthy again. Uh, and James Wiseman should be back soon. The Spurs are back to their playoff ways this year. The Thunder, I feel like that'll be a, a, a competitive game. But e- either way, I mean, I, I do see the Cavs slipping, which, which again, you know, as long as these games stay competitive, you know, there's some errors that I feel like will happen. But those are things that I feel like if they experience those, they'll be able to fix for the future. And yeah. It's a good way of looking at it, I think. You know, yeah. you can you can take some things to build mm-hmm. to build off of yeah. from this road trip, good or bad. But uh, Dan, what are your thoughts on on this coming stretch here, man? Yeah, I'm with Amadou. I just think if they can remain reasonably competitive, I, I think outside of the Clippers game, I think they will. Um, just kind of in this coming stretch, projecting onward. Um, and I mean, up until that game against Philly, I, I think. Those are all, I mean, I, even the Warriors game, I think, and Spurs, I think those are games they could de- not definitely, but very well win. Uh, and I, I think they'll still be bought in. I think the, the backcourt is starting to find their groove. But I, I'm just looking to personally see Darius Garland out of pick and roll, especially like hoist some pull-up threes. I think that that's a key point of emphasis to me mm-hmm. with him um, just to counter – uh, I think that specifically can – the more he does that, even if he does uh, – has a little bit more volume, I think it will really uh, enable him to get more spread out opportunities for other shooters. And that's that sort of thing I, I think will pay off. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think outside of the Clipper game, I think these are a number of games that I, I think they could very well win or be very competitive in and – I just hope to the man above that they don't get out rebounded by 
uh, Golden State. Yeah, okay. Well, tip-off just started here. Um, I'm assuming we're all going to go watch it. Before we get out here, just really quick, Cavs or, or Nuggets, who we got? I'm. You know what? The Cavaliers have a history of beating the Nuggets here. I'm still going to go with the Nuggets in this game. Dan, who you got? I'm going to go with the Cavaliers. Okay, okay. Amadou? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I do believe the Nuggets will take this one. Quick. Quick side note: Have you guys ever done the Nugget Challenge? Uh, what Nugget Challenge? I think like Cavs is doing that today. Cavs Nugget Challenge. I did it once in college, and I, I I came close, but I couldn't quite get to the mark. What is the Nugget mm-hmm. Challenge? What? Is, how many? Basically, how, I think it's I I think well, at least the way we did it was you have to beat the number of points the Nuggets score when the Cavs play them. I think. At least that's how we did it, and they ended up scoring 102. I, I, I got to 94, but I I Wait, wanted... 94 Nuggets in one sitting? You, I mean, it's like over the duration of the game. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Like, honestly, it, it sounds Wow, 94 really, Nuggets. It sounds yeah, vile. It, it sounds vile, and it, I mean, the end product was vile. Sorry, listeners, but... I, no, no, I was going to say. I, but what were you but saying? It, 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 was, oh, wow. it was doable, and I, I'd be intrigued to see if Larry Nance could do it. I, I feel like he, he's, he has that in I have a personal, and I'll say this, my personal record for amount of nuggets eaten over the course of like a couple hours, uh, me and my friends, I, we had like five of us, and we sat down and with with 200 nuggets, and like the goal was for each of us to eat 40 to finish it all. Uh, I think only me and, another one, me and one other person reached our marks. I ended up eating 62, and that not bad, was... Not bad, not bad. It's solid. No, no, I mean like... It, it, you know, like I probably could have kept going, but one, I will never eat that many nuggets again in my life, and two, the the ending was vile. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am I am not going to do the nugget challenge. Um, anyone out there, don't do the nugget challenge. It's not worth it. Um, no. With that, we can get out of here, guys. Uh, thank you again, both, so much for coming on. Uh, Sorry to keep you into the Cavs game here. We can go out and watch that now. Uh, Thank you out there for listening. If you enjoyed, subscribe, rate, review, all of that. And I think we're just going to leave it at that. Mm -hmm. So go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.